Dr. J Interviews is a collection of candid conversations with good black professional men regarding life and career choices. I'm your host, Dr. J McCarthy. Yeah, I want to go ahead and welcome to my show, Mr. Rogers. How you doing today, brother? I'm good. How you doing today? Doing good, man. You see, I turned my orange lights on for you, man. <laughs> solidarity with my brother, man. You, you know, I, 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 you know I, I tell people I didn't choose his lifestyle. Okay? We, we die hard. I'm born and raised Cleveland, so we, we, we uh, die hard for life. Yeah, for you guys that can't see, and I might post a picture of uh, Mr. Rogers is a diehard Cleveland Browns fan. I always give him grief, but I appreciate the fans because you guys are so, the solidarity is unparalleled. I was a season ticket holder. I, I went to all the 0 and 16 games. I went all to the 1 and 15 games. So I was there every day. And I mean, every game in the snow and the cold. You know what I'm saying? We drive two and a half hours just to get to the games. And you know what I'm saying? That's five hours just for heartbreak and anger. Right? <laughs> and anguish. Everything. It, it, it just. It just <laughs> Hey, it's nothing like you guys, though. You know, now I'm in here in Dallas country, and I I can't stand the Cowboys, man. You you get me started on the Cowboys. I'm gonna put that <laughs> T.O. picture when he's standing on the stars. So you know, I ain't no hey, fan of that. I don't like Dallas. I don't like Dallas fans either. They they just they kind of um. I just feel like they cry for no reason. They're like, what y'all got to cry for? Like y'all went to the dance many times, and yeah, I mean, it's like y'all y'all had great players, and y'all had good stuff. <laughs> like, yes, just y'all that- that entitlement, man. It's exactly. Entitlement. Exactly. <laughs> so let's go ahead and just dive right into it, man. Tell our listeners, what do you do for a living, brother? So I am um, I'm a software developer, but uh, what my, what my um, niche is, I um, do it's – it's a, it's a little website um, thing called Kentico. So I'm a front-end developer, um, back-end, and full-stack. And Kentico is a content management system that we use. And I'm pretty much an expert or a subject matter expert for Kentico. And so um, I'm in a whole school of everything. So um, I build, I'm sorry, Kentico, their websites. So I build work on big government websites, big healthcare websites, any type of big website that uses Kentico. Um, the platform allows us to leverage uh, many, many, many websites. And it allows us to rapidly develop websites. And it allows us to do a whole bunch of really things really fast. That's pretty much it. So. Nice. So for for your and I, like I said, I I'm in IT too, and it's really it's odd because there's not a lot of black men in IT. But I've actually interviewed three guys that are in IT. So. <laughs> actually, some of the same questions here, man. What kind of for your position is there specialized degrees involved or certifications that can help you in that field? So um, I have my bachelor's, and I went back and got my master's. I have my master's in IT management. Um, what you know, I feel that if you get your certifications and you just pretty much work hard in IT, my personal belief is um, anybody can do IT. And the reason is there's so many different levels of things you could do in IT. If you want to be a developer, you want to be front-end, you want to be back-end, you want to do database stuff, you want to do graphic design, you want to do, say, write problems, do you want to do testing, do you want to, let's say, configure servers, do you want to – I mean, there's literally millions of possibilities for every type of skill set that you think you, you – everything you, that you're good at, there's some IT that you can do, right? Um, so, yes, certifications are important, uh, but pretty much practical experience – there's all types of different um, jobs, opportunities in IT. Um, so a certification um, is very good, uh, but it's pretty much self-study. So 
Um, I think what makes people successful in the IT field is if you are a self-starter, um, you have to have the willingness to go ahead and research and you can't just say, oh, hey, ask somebody, how do you do this? You don't ask somebody, you figure it out. So you have to have the willingness and the understanding to figure it out. And thank God we have this smart person called Mr. Google. And, you know, Mr. Google pretty much tells me everything I need to know. So I don't know how to do something. I Google it. And because every every problem there is, every problem, someone has um, someone has um, asked the question and someone has figured it out. And usually how we kind of do things is like, I don't know, let's just make a random example. Um, what's two plus two is four. Okay, I need to solve two plus two is four. So I'm, my question may be, what is five plus five? But I can Google what's, what's two plus two, and I can derive my answer from that question. So it's pretty much how you can find the information, what's the answer you're looking for. You know, everything you, we use, every, everything that anyone has ever done, someone has solved it. So Google it, kind of, you know, use your skills of the detective work of kind of whatever and figure it out. So I think the biggest skill set is just have the willingness to figure stuff out and just kind of always dive in, self-study, and just go get it because ain't nobody going to give us anything. And like you were saying how, you know, um, you've interviewed a lot of Black um, developers, but there are actually partly no Black developers in all my career. So I'm always the one Black person on my entire team. I'm always the one black person in my entire floor, right? And so I've, um, like some of my private, I remember working at um, this big um, private um, um, data center. It was, um, it was a huge, huge data center. We're talking about, we're talking about a um, billion dollar, a billion dollar, a um, uh, billion dollar workplace. And there are 90 people in one room and the agile, um, agile development, and basically what agile means is you have two front-end developers, two back-end developers, a um, business analyst, a scrum master for each little data table. And you had seven tables. And I was the only black person. And out of all 90 people in that entire little, in that entire room, this big room, I was the only black person. So it's, you know, it's far and few between, wow. but it's come down to there's a lot of opportunity as being developer if you're willing to put the work in. And again, like I said, you dive in, figure it out, got the opportunity, got it, get it, figure it out. Easy work. You know, it's interesting uh, that Google, I had said before, I used to joke, like Google was like my daddy. I go to my daddy and they ask questions and there's a meme going around today where someone was like, I share with my, my kid that I'm actually older than Google. <laughs> so, so I guess Google was irritated in 1998. But I'm glad that you say that because I really feel like in, in this era, uh, you have to be a self-starter. And there is a lot of foolishness on the Internet. Yet, if you use it properly, like you said, if you utilize Google, there's so much. It's a plethora of information. One of the previous guys that I interviewed, he was in a different field, but he was just telling about uh, these, these correspondence courses that are for free. I mean, and a lot of those are in, in development, programming, web design, all these things. So the tools are out there. You know, we need to, I like this kind of form because we can speak more to it, get young bros involved and say, hey, this is another lucrative path, you know? Yeah. So many resources out there. So you can literally just go on YouTube, how to build a website. You know, that's literally all you have to do is YouTube, how to build a website. How do you um, um, do SQL database? 
And literally, you can go there and watch someone do it and just follow the tutorials around. And that gives you the practical experience that you need to go to a job. I mean, I, I mean, you can go to one of these boot camps, pay, you know, $15,000, $10,000. You, you can learn a lot of stuff on your own. Um, when I first got in development, um, I was working. Uh, so my path to development was interesting. So I, I didn't go to college to be a um, developer, okay? I went to college to be a nurse, <laughs> And um, I went to be a nurse and I failed miserably. Like I absolutely failed miserably. Like it was, I, I couldn't take it from the, um, the, the the mental health aspect of it. When people are dying on you and that aspect, I just got, that's just not my type of personality. I just couldn't take it off. Like, oh, y'all dying. Um, that, that, that affected me, you know, too much. Yeah. And, I, and then also I was like 18. I don't want to be scrubbing people's booties and stuff. I ain't nothing, nothing good on that. So, um, I, and then for me, and I just, I, I just didn't do it, but, um, I got a customer service job on the phone and that parlayed to another customer service job, um, from an opportunity and the opportunity was, I took that other customer service job and I was able to work for the state. And then if I was working for the state, they had an opportunity to ask everybody, does anybody want to work on the website? And no one said they wanted to work on the website. I was the only person who decided to work on the website. And I knew that was a possibility. I built computers. I played video games. Okay, this is going be cool. I'll figure it out. All right, let's go. And um, I had the opportunity working the website and stayed all my time figuring it out and um, self-study, went home. Um, this is before Google got, Google got really, really big. But there were still all types of tutorials. And this is, remember the, um, the uh, um, program for dummies, those, all those programs for dummies book back in the day? So yeah. um, I... Yes. Go. So I have programming for dummies, how to build a website for dummies. So I'm with the physical book and I'm going through page by page and going through tutorials. All my friends out clubbing, drinking and kicking it. You know, I would spend on oh, Friday, I was clubbing, drinking and kicking it. But on Saturday and Sunday, I was in the books doing tutorials and trying to figure it out, kind of work and, and figure out everything I need to do. And, and the one thing I can say is opportunities. You get an opportunity, you, you only get two or three good opportunities in your lifetime. And the question is, do you squander the opportunity or do you really go all in and figure it out? And I was lucky enough to be smart as a young man and take those opportunities and really dig in and really refine my craft. And that kind of helped me propel me to how I got here. Nice. nice. You know, I always say I, I teach my kids that about everything's about preparation. Success is where your preparation meets that opportunity. You have to be prepared for the opportunity. You know, if you you have your business plan in mind. You already have it constructed. You meet that right guy. You're already prepared to go ahead and present that to him. You know, you can mm -hmm. speak on it because you put so much research and effort into it. So you're preparing yourself for that. I, I love that, man. What is software developer? What you do? What's a range that someone can expect to look at? You know, from like an entry level on up to, oh. you know, what's the potential? So the potential. So um, I'm a state. I'm I'm a I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a government employee now. And as a government employee, we don't make that much money, but it comes down to um, um, it comes down to stability. So you always, as a government employee, you're always going to make less money than any type of whatever. However, when I was a contractor, we're talking about the range. I know for a fact that in fact I can get because as of we're talking about today, I've had four people send me job offers in the past, in the, in the past week. I had four separate contracting firm sending me um sending me hey we have this contract and it's usually anywhere from 
55 an hour from the low end to up to 75 an hour. Actually, I've had in the past, the highest offer I've ever had was a $95 an hour to go to um, to go to like uh, Missouri, or Little, I think it was Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah, Little Rock, Arkansas for a project, 95 an hour for um, three months. And then after you're on site for three months and, and then you, they'll pay for your housing, pay for everything, pay for flights, pay for everything. Then after that, um, you can work from home for remote, 95 an hour for the next seven months or eight months. And then from there, if they still need you, they'll bring you on, you know, kind of like uh, a long-standing contractor. And I turned it down um, because a lot of things were adding up. A lot of things, they were saying crazy stuff. And just, it, it, would, it just didn't feel right. And so the opportunity was there. But I was like, nah, I, I, I couldn't. I got small kids. I couldn't do that to my small kids. And and some other little things that you know, contractors. And at the end of the day, so the whole that's another thing is learning the contracting game. So they're out here to make money off of you. So you are in the position. You are the resource, and because you're the resource, you can dictate what you want to do and how much you can make. And so you know, if when when you're in, in IT. There's so many people out here. There's too many jobs um, and not enough skilled people to do them. And so we're always in a hot demand. And when, I, when you're in a little niche, like I have a very little small little slice, um, that slice is always in demand. And I'm always going to have an opportunity for whatever I do in order to get a, get a job. That's, that's what's up, man. So walk me through a typical day, man. Mr. Rogers wakes up and then what? Um, so because I'm a senior developer, my, I'm attached uh, to my hip, to my phone. Like earlier today, even before we started doing this, I was texting a customer of mine of asking, ask a question. I'm typing, asking, answer questions. So look at my phone, look at email, see if there's anything important. We use Teams and Teams is kind of just like a, a messaging software for Microsoft. So see if I got any messages from anybody important. All right, we're good. Um, so after that, you know, wake up to the kids, you know, get breakfast, make Make coffee, number number one important thing. Got to get some coffee in. Get the coffee. We're good. And then it comes down to get on the computer and just kind of set my day up to see what I need to do. Um, so as a developer, we're pretty much project-based. So I know what project I'm working on, and I have a delivery date. And I have to basically make sure that this is done by this delivery date. Um, so as long as I can do my little steps, my little chunks, and we, we do this methodology called Agile. And what Agile is pretty much is a way to, um, we have every two weeks, we have so many items that we have to develop or so many, we call them stories, so many stories that we have to develop and that we have to actually um, produce. And so let's say this sprint, I have to do five stories. And so I know that if it's, you know, I'm almost close to the end of my sprint, then I have to knock these three stories out depending on how complicated or whether they are. So I have to email somebody and do some development work, figure out more requirements, contact whomever, and do whatever to do to kind of fill that gap. Also, because I'm the senior developer, I uh, mentor our junior developers. A lot of people kind of ask me questions on how to do stuff. And then we have like our project managers, you know, they ask questions and whatnot, say, hey, what's the status of this project? You know, just, just regular work day of meetings, development a little bit, meetings, development a little bit, answering questions, helping people, developing. 
So um, I love being a developer uh, because for me, it's like I get paid to play with puzzles all day. So it, it's it's fun because sometimes like like the the, the 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 funny thing is the stuff that I hate the most is the easy stuff. The easy stuff is like, oh, this is like I don't want to do this. Like come on, this is trash. Like come on, bro. Like give me something hard. I'm like oh my gosh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it. Like I'm not gonna make this, this deadline. But that that pressure that's that's fun. That's where the fun aspect of developing comes from. So oh that's that's what's up, man. So I'm going to transition right here. I'm going to tell our listeners how we know each other. We had actually met through a mutual friend. Uh, I don't know. He was a coworker of mine before I moved out of Ohio. I don't know if you guys had worked together at the state, maybe. Yeah. How you guys were introduced to each other. But so we send text all the time. It's a group of us, professional men, man. And we're just goofy text or whatnot. And uh, we got this inside joke. About the uh, the Ro- the Robert Guillaume or that Benson, and I'm gonna talk about that <laughs> later. We're gonna ad- we're gonna address that a little bit later. Uh, but I want to j- dive into your childhood, man. Tell me a little bit about yourself growing up. So um, I'm from Cleveland. Um, I'm from Cleveland. Moved to Columbus when I was like I'm 11, fifth grade. Um, Cleveland's rough um, from, from from rough area from poverty. Uh, we have nothing. Um, a lot of bad stuff. Um, I'm, I'm one of I'm the youngest of four. I have three older brothers. I'm, you see, I'm counting my head like, oh, I'm on tell me how many brothers I got. So <laughs> I got, I'm kind of I'm one of four. Um, and we just had a very rough upbringing. Um, you know, drugs, violence, you know, I can, I mean, true, very, very true story. Um, I remember fourth grade, we're walking, I'm walking to pick up my, my, my friend, on um, walking to pick up my friend and walk his house because on our way to school and we're walking, uh, pick him up and we go pack the, the way we always go and we find a gun landing in the actual grass. And I remember uh, my friend picked it up and again, we're, I'm with fourth, we're, we're fourth grade. So he friend picked it up and I'm like, oh, whatever, I've seen guns before, it's no big deal, all right, whatever. So, um, friend picked it up, and then another boy, sixth grader, come came over, and he took the gun from my friend, and he literally put it into our face like that, and clock cocked the hammer. And I remember physically seeing the bullets of the revolver in my eye. I told him get out of my hand, bro, and then he licked one of it, pop, and popped it in the air. And this was on my way to school, and then we would shot it after he shot the gun in the air. Um, I talked to my boy, like, let's go, whatever, like, no big deal, like, let's go. And so then we get to school, and I remember the police um, came, pulled me out of class, and they talked to me, and said, well, what happened? How did this happen? Why? Who found the gun? All that stuff. And I'm like, oh, who found the gun? Whatever, no big deal. Went home. I don't think I ever told my mom, because my mom, I asked my mom about that story. She said, oh, they never called me. I never knew that ever happened. But that was the kind of neighborhood that we were in of just, you know, this is just the stuff that, you know, you just figure it out. You see the stuff, you deal with it. You know what I'm saying? So my mom had the opportunity to move to move to um, Columbus, uh, what I'm saying, to move uh, from Cleveland. And um, that was an opportunity that put me on the right path. And had I, had I not had the opportunity, who knows where I would have ended up. Simple and plain. That's what's up, man. You know, a lot of people that aren't from Ohio, and, and I – Please understand to my listeners, I'm not trying to glorify violence or anything, but if you don't know anything about how I've, I've met people from different states and they're like Ohio, 
And I'm like, Cornhouse is, is crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah you thinking, you know, but those those cities, you know, the Cleveland, you know, Toledo, Dayton, Cincinnati. Columbus. It it, it was rough, man. Columbus, Columbus is definitely getting, you know. Columbus crazy. Columbus is crazy right There was a lot of stuff going on that you wouldn't imagine, man. And for young brothers, man, it's it's. I celebrate brothers to make it out, you know, make it through and take care of their families and stuff because we had a lot of obstacles. So, what, so you did your your great schooling, and then when did when you moved to Columbus? What grade were you in then? I was in fifth grade, and so fifth grade was that good year of transitioning. Of of again, I was exposed to all that stuff, but it didn't change who I was, and I was able to kind of all right. And so we were always um, like all my brothers. They were all into major work, which were magnet schools. And so we all, they all went to magnet schools until, you know, you know, Cleveland happened. And so I came here, um, I went to a um, magnet school and um, it wasn't really a magnet, it was just a, just a turnip school. So it was like a little magnet school. And, but it was like, you know, going to a concrete jungle to, oh my God, there's a creek. And I had never seen a real creek before. And I can catch tadpoles. And that was the most amazing thing ever in my entire in my entire life. I'm like, oh, this is this is great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this is this is this is some wonderful oh, stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, so transitioning from 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 there and coming to Columbus and you know, I was able to excel in school. Uh, well until high school. High school I got I was real bad. So um uh, my my problem was um um we don't have a lot of direction sometime. And we, so I was a single mom, four boys. My mom had to, you know, she had, she had goals and she had to work two jobs. She put herself through school and she had to figure it out and do stuff her herself. And um, so you can't give all the attention to one child when you have to give other attention to another child and you can, she's, she's, you know, spread thin. So um, I wasn't the best student um, at the end. And I was, a, I was, Straight A student, four point student, all through middle school, um, high school, ninth grade I was four point tenth grade I was two point five, eleventh grade I was like a one point and then twelfth grade I was a 0.5. and it was literally just because of I already beat this. I already, the problem is I knew how to beat the system. I they wouldn't let me um, graduate early because the school I went to was an educational school and they made me take full classes. So you should, you know me, you know me. I'm like, Hey, I ain't going these classes. Like y'all can do what I want to do, but I'm not going these classes. I'm going to skip every day. Like y'all can do what you want, but I'm not going. And so they didn't believe me. And I just fell in all the classes, but, but that's the thing because I already knew in my head that I was going to become a nurse. And I didn't, and I already needed one class to graduate. I needed two classes to graduate. And so I already knew exactly what I had to do to pass those classes. I can ace the classes really easy. And what else I have to do? So I, I had the strategy to win, and I knew what I had to do. So, <laughs> so you go be a, what, a six foot, what are you, six foot four? Six foot? Yeah. Six foot four nurse, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they need, and they need it. You know, these, these big guys are big moves. So you, I'm a good three hundred whopper. I'm a three hundred pounder. Yeah. So you know they needed the big, you know, <laughs> big people. You know, up and down or whatnot. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't work out. And um, 
And I just worked. And then I had the, like I said, I had the opportunity of the customer service on the phone of, hello, may I help you? Um, how's your day today? You know what I'm saying? Just straight customer service. And um, had the opportunity to work on the website. And then after that, went back and got my bachelor's. And I remember getting my bachelor's. I went to uh, Franklin University. I went and got my bachelor's. And I remember talking to Jason a lot because Jason, um, you know, he's older than me. I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do in school. And I went from major to major to major to major. And I was like, I don't know what I want to be. I didn't know what I want to do. And as soon as I got the opportunity working the website, I was like, you know what? I'm going to change my major to web development. Yeah. And that's really pretty much of how I kind of started. And I could not have succeeded until I got that actual, um, that degree because they no one will give me an opportunity so back in the day you know 10 years ago 12 years ago you couldn't get in the door without a bachelor's degree you couldn't do anything um, now if you have a certification hey I, I i can or a certification or you have a portfolio a portfolio say hey i built this site i built this site here's my credit you can easily get a job fairly simple yeah. but um back in the day you had to have a degree and so get my degree I, you know what I like about these interviews? Because a couple of you guys are, if you're not my buddy before the interview, you're going to be my homie afterwards. You know, so I'm, <laughs> I made good friends. And me and B have known each other for, for a few years now. And uh, we're kind of similar in that way, too, man, because I went to Ohio State for a little bit. And then like, I told the story previously and I dropped out. Um, but I went back to Franklin as well. So, yeah, I ended up going to Franklin. We had a lot of coworkers that, that went there. And their program was just more conducive to a family man at that time. Yep. So, yep. and it was reputable. Um, at this point, I kind of want to tell people there's two reasons why I really wanted to interview you. You know, one, and, and I call him B. His first name is Brandon. You're just a good dude, man. You know, thank you. And thank and you. for people that don't know, you know, for women out there, if you if you happen to be listening, guys have conversations. We talk offline. We talk about <laughs> our families and stuff. And, <laughs> and and you have you have homies that are disgruntled, all this kind of stuff. But what I can honestly say, this man is a stand up guy. He sincerely loves his family. He has a beautiful family. Kids are incredibly intelligent. He raised them to be Browns fans, but you know, Washington. they're beautiful kids, man. So I just, I want to just acknowledge you on that. Cause like I said, you know, we, we had this narrative. There's not a lot of good brothers out there. And I, and I, I'm like, man, I know that's not true. You know, I, I have a, I have a circle of people that's like out there. They're loyal to their woman. They, they speak highly of their woman when their woman's not around, you know, and that, that speaks to your character, man. So I did just want to put that on air. And the second reason is, thank you. We had an offline talk before, and like I said, I had known B for a year or so, and he t- he went through a challenging situation, you know, and this is kind of like that Benson, that inside joke. But do you want to tell people uh, yeah, what you went through there? So, all right, so this might be a crazy story that's not even going to be logical, but um, I was, okay, so first I have to tell you, so my hobby since I was 22 years old has been Muay Thai kickboxing. So these hands are serious. I tell them, don't nobody, y'all don't be believing me, bro. These hands are are ridiculously serious, bro. Like, I'm I'm trying to tell y'all, serious. Anywho, so I did um, Muay Thai kickboxing for many, many, many years. And um, I was actually training for a fight in Chicago. And I was 27 years old. Um, I've always been big deal, so you know, we. I mean, I, I was good, a super heavyweight. I was, I was excited. So, one of my biggest things is I refuse to. Uh, I'm very competitive, so I will work out as hard as I can. I do not like the little people, skinny people, think they better than me, think they can run faster than me. Maybe you can run faster than me, but I'm gonna finish everything. It don't matter. 
It, it don't matter. I, I'm, I'm none of that. I, I'm, I'm too competitive. And after that, we, we still sparring like crazy. So I'm just really competitive. And so uh, we were running um, three. We were running a five k before we were trained for two hours. And we were doing this for almost um, at least three full weeks. So maybe four days a week, and we're training hard. We're talking about running, run 3.1 miles uh, or 3.4 miles, whatever. And then uh, we'll go ahead and we'll train, you know, all of our pad work, our, our kicking, everything, just getting, getting the cardio ready for, for the fights. And um, a week before, um, a week before um, the fight, my um, buddy asked me to help him. My buddy's father asked me to help him move. So I cool back. I'm always big. I always help everybody move. I'm the mover. I mean, I move everybody. So it's always been my life of moving people. So like, I I would ask no more. I, I you need my help. I right, fine, whatever. All right. So I'm helping to move on the third floor, and I remember I'm helping to move. I'm like, oh, this is this is gonna be terrible. So uh, I'm I'm kicking him on my buddy on a Friday night, and I sleep on the couch. I don't know if I sleep on the floor and I'm 27 and I get up the next morning and uh, my feet are numb. And I'm like, all right, no big deal. My hands are a tiny little bit tingling, like the fingertips are tingling and my toes are tingling. And for some reason, my breathing was, was a little different. And I'm like, all right, no big deal. But I, maybe I slept wrong or something. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And so I remember, I remember being so tired um, of moving, I ain't never been this tired before. Like, all right, whatever. So that I remember um, going back and, and forth, going up three flights of stairs and coming down. And I helped him move. I was tired. And then um, he took us out to dinner. And I remember eating at dinner. I was like, man, I need to go to the hospital. This is something's going on. I, I remember what's going on, but I can feel my breathing. Something was wrong with my breathing. I'm like, I'm I'm a well loomed machine. I know I'm good, but something's going on. So I went to the ER. And I always tell people, man, if you got insurance, don't play around. If you don't got insurance, if you think something's going on, go to the hospital. It's just money. Who cares? Your life is more worth more, more, more than any type of money. I'm sorry. I go to the doctor. My, my life is worth any type of, any type of money. Mm-hmm. So I went to the ER, and they did an x-ray on my chest. And was like, you good. Nothing wrong with you. Go home. I'm like, okay. Yeah, my breathing is fine, but my fingers are still tingling. All right, whatever. I went to the ER like we're supposed to. I went home. And I remember going home and um, I'm talking, um, I'm, I'm chilling and I remember like now I'm getting pain. And so I went to sleep next day. Now my fingertips moved down to my hands. Like now all of this is numb. So now my hands are numb. And now I'm having, I'm trying to pick up a glass. I can't pick up a glass like this. I'm actually have to hold it like this now because the strength of my hands is something's wrong. And now I'm noticing when I'm walking, I'm falling around everywhere. I'm like, oh, what's going on? All right. So, um, you know, that's day two. Day three, um, I go to my, my sports medicine doctor. I'm like, hey, I don't know what's going on. But um, I'm um, something's going on. My arms, my legs are going numb. I don't know why. And he's like, "Oh, you may need, you may have a pinched nerve in both of your upper disc and your lower disc from all the Muay Thai kickboxing. So we need to schedule a uh, MRIs." And all right, whatever. So I fine. I'm thinking everything is okay. Then um, my my wife, or my fiance at the time, she had a surgery that she had to go through. And I remember um, going to the um, that that morning. We're going to the hospital, and um, she she was driving by herself. 
And I was going to meet her there. And so I remember going to McDonald's and I'm getting a um, orange juice and like some, some type of mix, whatever. And I'm taking the orange juice, the straw. And I remember drinking the straw and the straw was just different. I'm like, okay, so now my hands is messed up. Now my legs can't move. And now I'm drinking through the straw and I can't make proper suction on the straw. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So go to the hospital, and um, my wife is going to the, well, my fiance wife's going to surgery. And while we're praying to God to ha- for her to have a safe, successful emergency, my half my face goes paralyzed. So now my half my face is paralyzed, and now I'm in. And, and, and I forgot to tell you, so I'm in so much pain at nighttime. Like my shoulders are so much pain. I can't. I, I'm a stomach sleeper, and so I have to kind of sleep like this. It was so much pain lift up my shoulders that I couldn't even do anything. And so I'm. Um, so now, like my wife is um, getting into surgery. Half my face is paralyzed, and I'm. Um, I, after we pray, I go straight to the ER and walking down the ER, I'm like, hey, something's going on. I'm, th- I'm thinking I'm having a stroke. I'm a big dude. I'm having a stroke. Can somebody help me? Like, oh, yeah, you're good. Um, just sit over there at the table and somebody get to you. So I'm like an hour in, think I'm having a stroke. Ain't nobody help me. I'm just like, oh, man, this is just a messed up way to die. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is like, like this is messed up. But all right. I'm, my logic is because I'm a developer. And so my logic is, well, the best place to be in someplace like this is in the hospital at the ER. So I'll be good. I'm in the ER. I'm, I'm good. So we go in there and they now they give me a um, an MRI because my original doctors forgot to schedule it. So they, they forgot to schedule it. And so I go and go to the ER. So give me an MRI and they um, put me in the cage to, to check my head and they check my back. And um, because of the, um, my face is paralyzed. And so they thought I had MS and I was an MS attack. And so after everything, they said, you don't have MS. And what they think I had was Bell's palsy. And Bell's palsy is just your normal, your face and go, if you're sick or something, you get Bell's palsy. It's a very common thing. So I'm like, okay, but what about the fact that I can, I can't hardly walk anymore. Like I'm fumbling everywhere. My hands are on fire. I can't touch and so the feeling to, to the feelings you know how when your hands your feet go to sleep yeah imagine that times 20 so it was to the point where it was like a burning sleep and like completely numb i could hit something you couldn't feel it but you can kind of feel it and there was like burning kind of pain sensation and then when i had a cluster it feels like somebody took like a broom and they just put it all their pressure all the pressure like in a on a back cluster that's how it felt and i just couldn't shake it and sometimes I'm a fighter, I'm like, all right, it's just a little pain. I'll be all right. Um, so after all that, Bell's palsy, they sent me home. And I remember going home. <laughs> so, so this is my third time at the ER. This is, and, and then, and, and as we say, I went to the doctor like three more times in between that first week. So we're seven days. This is my third time in the ER. And this is like my third, um, um, fourth time to the doctor. So I go home. And um, I'm crying. Um, I just don't want to die. Like, you know, you know, when you're in a situation where you know you're going to die, it feels a little different because when you're sitting on the yard, you are progressively getting worse and no one's helping you. And you're supposed to go to the doctors and they're supposed to tell you things and like, whatever. So my church at the time, um, they made us sing um, a gospel song. And I remember Pastor Troy was like, whenever you're ever in a crunch or you're ever feeling bad, just sing a gospel song and you'd be good. And um, 
ain't no gospel. You, I'm, 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 I'm popping pat. You know what I'm saying? I'm preaching mafia. You know, that's that's kind of that's the kind of guy I am. Okay, you know what I'm saying? I was known as NWA. So that's the kind of music I and rock and roll. I'm a hardcore rock and roll too. So I'm just that's the kind of music I listen to. And um, but the song um, we he we had to sing every day when we left church was My Name is Victory. And basically, honest to God on everything, that was all the, that was everything I needed at that time to be confident that I was going to be good. And so I started singing that song. I'm in tears. I'm in the dark by myself and I can't sleep. And I'm thinking I'm going to die. I started singing that song. And um, I thought it was going to be good. Next day, got worse. <laughs> day after that, got even worse. Um, and then um, a good friend of mine, so then now my wife is out the hospital, and she's at home, and I remember driving at her house, which is stupid because I couldn't feel my feet. But I, you know, you know I can't feel my feet when I'm still driving, whatever. Yeah. So I'm driving her house, and I had a friend of mine, and she's like, B, I haven't heard, talked to you in a long time. Um, I know you was your, your, your uh, back issue. How's everything going? I was like, look. I've been I've been progressively worse. I, every time I go to the ER, they keep sending me home. I think it's now some type of neurology issue or whatever, some neural issue or whatever. It's like, give me a second. Let me call my friend. Well, her friend was a neurosurgeon, and her neurosurgeon friend, she called him, and she was like, and she told me later, he'll never answer the phone because he's busy doing neurosurgery stuff, which I can only imagine it's some pretty important stuff that you can't answer the phone for, right? Like, you're a neurosurgeon. And so I'm talking. So he calls me immediately. Um, so we're talking. And he's um, he told me, like, look, go to this hospital and say, do not leave until they see you. And here's my partner's information. Somebody in my partner will see you, blah, blah, blah. Well, during this whole time, I Google all my symptoms. And that's why, that's why I, tr- I trust Mr. Google. I Google all my symptoms. And um, I told the doctor while I was in there, I think I have this rare disease called Guillain-Barre syndrome. And they laughed at me. And they said, no, you don't have Guillain-Barre syndrome. And the reason is, what happens is, um, Guillain-Barre syndrome starts in your feet. The numbness starts in your feet and goes up. Once it gets past your diaphragm, your diaphragm stops and you die because your diaphragm is a muscle. So um, as, of, as of me entering the hospital, if we beginning the story, I know it's a long-winded story, but if, in the beginning of the story, uh, my feet, it was a tiny bit of tingling in my feet. Well, by this time, um, by this time, the actual, the back of my throat and my cheeks and my, and the back of my mouth was numb, completely numb. So everything was still starting to really shut down or whatnot. And there's like, well, I don't think that because of the numbness in your throat and numbness in your face and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, this is what I Googled and everything's going on that I'm Googling says I got this what I got. So I need to stay here. I'm not going to home because I'm in the ER uh, three separate times, and y'all keep sending me home, and I'm I'm about to die. So y'all need to do something. And sure enough, um, they they um, admitted me to the hospital, and then I talked to a, a neuro uh, neurologist, and we kind of talked. He says he thinks I do have it, and um, we got the test, which is a spinal tap. And once we did the spinal tap, I confirmed I got it, and we started treatment. And um, I'm still going. And this was t- just ten years ago. So um, since then. Um, I made a 100%, 100% recovery. I had to quit fighting, which I, which still hurts to this day. You know, I had to quit fighting because everybody's, everybody's soft. 
Um, you know, <laughs> my, 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 you know what I'm saying? My neurologist, he's soft. My sports medicine doctor, soft. Wife is definitely. You didn't die. You didn't get brain damage. <laughs> my, my true story. My, I am not going to lie to you. True, true story. So I did get my. <laughs> when I did get um um when I went to the um, I got my MRI on my head doctor. Not gonna lie, the first thing I thought was like, oh snap. My mom and my fiance, right? I do got brain damage. She did it in the head. <laughs> because when I was training, when I was training, my homeboy kicked me, quote, cocked me, bow, just right on the chin, and oh, just just took it. Like, okay, we good. So. I mean, beautiful kick to the jaw, and I just took it to the chin. So I really did think I had nerve damage, but no, um, I had to quit fighting. Um, but so the problem is now is so what what Guillain-Barre syndrome is. So basically, what Guillain-Barre syndrome is is your immune system attacks your nervous system and it leaves you paralyzed. And so it's a one in a hundred thousand people occurrence. So if you think of the population of a million dollar, um, a million people in the city, you're only going to get 10 a year. So, I mean, it's really very rare. Um, it happens. I'm susceptible to it. Um, and, you know, it can happen again. You know, in the first few years I le- I was living in fear and whatnot, especially we're in the middle of a pandemic. And um, so Guillain-Barre syndrome is if you're susceptible to it, your body it basically any type of um, sickness can trigger it. So during this pandemic, as you know, J-Mac knows, I'm living in a bubble. Like my whole family, we're in a bubble. We ain't going nowhere. Friends, y'all ain't, I don't want to see y'all. Y'all don't want to see me. We, you know what I'm saying? Y'all, not, y'all can hit me with the phone. We can voice chat, but I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going to nobody's house. Ain't nobody coming to my house because of with the fear of if I get a reoccurrence, you know, and don't nobody know how to feel when you're 100% perfectly strong man and you knocking people out. And then the next thing you know, you can't even walk and you were so weak, you cannot open up a bag of potato chips. Like, Literally, a bag of potato chips, I literally can't open them up. And um, it just comes down to, you know, I can get it again. And um, we found out afterwards that my immune system is naturally low. And so people who have naturally low immune systems, they actually are susceptible to um, um, uh, what those things called um, self um, autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. So rheumatoid arthritis, any type of autoimmune disease, people who have naturally low auto, um, white blood cells, that they can get autoimmune disease. So my number was called. Hey, you know, and, and for like you guys listening, that's where the joke came from because he was describing that to us, and one of us was like, "You got the what, Robert Guillaume? You got the <laughs> you got the Benson?" <laughs> but on a serious note, man, he, he told me, you know, sometimes when people say stuff to you, it kind of makes you just freezing in place, man. I was I was working out in the garage, and I remember I was talking to you, and I walked outside my garage, and I just paused, and he told me the story, and I did not move that whole entire time. I was just like. When you hear people's testimony, that's such a powerful testimony, man. And I really appreciate that you're willing to share that with people. Because like I said, he, you can't see him, but he's big in stature, you know, big fit man. And and what I really liked about that is you speaking encouraging words to yourself. You know, you, you spoke those words. You got that in your spirit. Um, and, yeah, and I, man, by the grace of God. 
and I and I believe your friend and the timing and all that that was oh, yeah. you know, that was not happening. Right, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. There, there, there's not. That's not. There's no way because at that moment in that time, I honestly felt that um, I was giving up because everything was uh, was going. I mean, I kept you keep going to the hospital and you keep being sent home and I'm like what's going on. And the problem with the disease is there's so many symptoms of it, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to diagnose. And so every time, you know, diagnosis. And then the second part is thank God I had insurance because um, the only therapy is a um, white blood cells. It's, auto, it's a um, hemoglobin. You know how people, you, you're in a pinch in college, you need to donate that good plasma. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody, y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, what they do is they take that plasma and they put it with the other, all the other plasma and they get the white blood cells out of that plasma and they're able to render it into like an IV bag. And that IV bag cost $21,000 per bag. Yeah. And I needed five. And after the third one, um, after the third um, IV bag, um, I started having an allergic reaction and they had to stop treatment on that. And, um, but I was, after that, you know, they was like, fine, you're good. I mean, you're, I was in the hospital for, I think, um, I think it was 10 days, seven or 10 days. I was in the hospital for, for a good bit. And then, uh, but after that, they sent me home and was a recovery. I was in physical therapy for about six months. My face was paralyzed for um, about eight or nine months. Um, that's why I tell people I'm always going to smile for the rest of my life because there's a time I couldn't smile. And I remember so our, my, my buddies. That's why every time I'm smiling, you can see my I'm a little crooked because I, I, I try not to, but that, that's just one of the things. So your my muscles are, are still not there 100%, mm-hmm. and they won't ever be. Um, so you gotta live with it. And so even when I lift like crazy, I don't get stronger sometimes. It's frustrating because I just want to lift everything. Like don't get stronger. But um, when my um, our buddy Jason and um, Aaron, our mutual friend, they came over the house during one of the times I messed up, and they um, Aaron brought me a crutch. And so um, I had an iPad. I didn't care if it was so, so much, since my face is paralyzed, I had an iPad and I couldn't close my eye. And so they're just cracking on me hard. Like I'm a pirate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they're just going in on me, like going in. I'm like, bro, like, I'm about, like, really? Like, you got to sit home, you know what I'm saying, three times. Like, y'all going in, like, just going in on me about iPad and pirate. And, and so the funny part, and you can ask them right now if you want, I couldn't laugh. So I would be like, because my face couldn't make the smile anymore. And so every time I laugh, like, and so it was to the point where I remember my tears are coming down my, I'm laughing. So they're going in like, like, that's, I don't know, I'm friends with you, bro. Like, like, like. I don't know I'm to these dudes no more, but yeah, so I remember I'm laughing so hard, couldn't smile, but yeah. We hey, did now, so all that matters. Man, what's so dope about that story too, man? It's just like there there are good endings, man. You got through that, man. You went ahead and married a beautiful woman. You have beautiful children, man, a successful career. You're you're a role model, folks, man. So it's a it's a beautiful thing, man. You know, like I said, you're just a good brother, man. Just all around good brother. So just wanna say that. So let's go ahead and pivot here, man, because that well, that was heavy, man. That was heavy. Sorry, man. I, pre- I appreciate you sharing that, man. Um, so these are just three questions that I ask everybody. It's really just two that everybody comes on this show here. Uh, so we all know that our past, you know, built us and molded us. And some things we had to navigate through, you know, to make us who we are today. But if you can go back in time and talk to the younger B, what kind of advice would you give him? 
um, the grind harder um, or start. I would say, if anything, is my advice was to start what you finished and don't take it from like just start what you finished. Like there's so many things I could have started when I was like 17 of working on websites in my basement. I'm rolling with computers. Um, so I the reason I got into development because a black brother taught us how to program at um, um, on his spare time. And so after school, me and another guy from chess club, from chess club, yeah, nerd, nerd, I know, chess club. So after chess club, we would go uh, take the bus down to the north of the adult center or whatever, and he'll teach us how to program. And so I should have sticked to that. And, and I have things I could have done differently by that. Um, but besides that, man, you know, you, you can't live your life with regrets. You made a decision, you got men up and deal with it. So, um, that's about it. You know, I met you make, make decisions. You got, you got, you got to be a man, make a decision. You have to deal with it, but, um, just take responsibility and give it 120%, 120% everything you do. I love that, man. You know, I, I got some buddies my age, man, and we talk about sometimes regrets, you know, and I had a conversation with him about this a couple of weeks ago where I'm like, brother, you're at where you're supposed to be at, man. This point in time, this point in life, all the things that you did, even if you made these different choices, you would still be at this point. And you just have to go ahead and enjoy this moment, enjoy your kids, enjoy your health. In, in the and thank God, life. and thank God, we're at this moment in a successful ish lifestyle. You know yes. what I'm saying? So you know, I can afford things like you know whatever I am. Just I can just do different things that I could never even dream of when I was a child from Cleveland. Like none of this stuff even logical of where I'm at to where I came from type of deal. So. um you know, to be blessed where I'm at, you know, at the end of, at the, end of the day, after going through my sickness, you know, you be blessed. To, I'm just blessed to be alive. And yes. and just every day is an opportunity to grow and every opportunity to grind harder for, you know, I'm saying my, my, my children grind harder to give them the opportunities that, of course, I never had. Mm-hmm. I want to give to them. I want to give them everything I can I can give. So got to keep grinding because I'm nowhere close where I want to be. Absolutely. And you you got to have that drive. Yeah. Nowhere close to where I want to be. So yeah, we we have offline topics, man. You got to watch out for B, man. <laughs> B B is making some solid moves, and like I said, his kids are he shares a little stuff his kids do. They smarter than wit, man. So it's it's a beautiful thing to Thank see. You. Thank you. Second question uh, that I ask everybody, you know, like I, and you guys know, you know me, I, I coach kids, I mentor young men, and I'm real big on strengthening your mind, body, and spirit. So, what would you say? Can you give advice on how you strengthen either one or all three of those areas? Um, so we didn't have no like role models or nothing. That's us four brothers. We all did our own thing our own way. We had to make we had to figure it out our own, you know what I'm saying? So it's like as you know me, I'm so rah rah rah, be a man, rah rah rah. I mean, it, it, it's just the fact of the matter is it's like you know me. So it's like that that's just kind of my philosophy. So it's like it's okay to fail if you gave it your all, but you got to give it your all. So for me, that's where my mental strength comes from. It's, it's okay to fail if you gave it your all. If you gave it the college try and gosh darn it, hey, it didn't work out, and you can do something else and you can give that college try again, right? Like, all right, I, I failed here, right? But what did I learn from that failure and what can I take that failure and apply to something else? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So. That's that mental fortitude, that mental strength of understanding that it ain't going to be the end of the world. You'll be okay. 
you've just figured out next time. And just as long as you don't ever give up, ain't no reason to give up. You're still alive. You're still in the information world. We still, and I mean, we're, we are in, in a situation as black people, as black men, you know, we have so many opportunities that our fathers, our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers, and definitely our great-great-grandfathers never had. So why would we give up any of these opportunities? Why would we um, um, just throw these opportunities away? Like, yeah, I get it. We get it. We got it. It's harder. I'm the only black person in a lot of these spaces, but who cares? Like, I'm in this space. Let's get it. Let's get this so we can give it to someone else to give them the opportunity so they can get them spaces too. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. Um, as far as your body, hey, you know, I always believe working out. So I'm a, I'm a proponent of Muay Thai. So I, I, I love it. I enjoy the competition of beating people up, getting punched in the face. All that stuff is it's very very fun to me like you know the whole process i love it so um you know it it, it takes a tough person but to, but but the, but the way i the reason i love muay thai is it's it's chest with pain and so pain is instant gratification and chess is a thinking man idea i mean it's a, it's a thinking man's game and so in muay thai is literally chess because you have to know my strengths and weaknesses i'm not gonna be as fast as you so i have to think of things differently so i won't get punched in the face or i won't get severely hurt and so you know do things so it's always gotta work out we always we eat healthy I'm, i've transitioned i'm trying to transition to 100 organic you know you know, try to eat healthy as much as I can and just work out. You know, we, we young, you only get one body. And it's, it's going through the sickness, you only get one body. Only one. So do what you can do to keep it. One thing I didn't mention for my listeners, B is a chef, man. Now I call myself a grill master, but boy, <laughs> B, B, he be putting these meals together sometimes. I'll be like, boy, that boy is throwing down over there, man. He, he do it what he gets, that Kobe beef, and he, he lace it up, and it'll look like like he got it from a restaurant, man. Yeah, I, I like to cook. You know, you just take a little time, you know, yeah. just, just massage a little bit, but, you know, it's good food. So yeah. I'm cheap. I don't like, I'm frugal. I don't like spending the money if I know I can make it better by myself. Ain't nothing so, wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. What's the point? I, I, I can cook it. I don't want to spend the money. So, And, you know, I don't want to go back to something else that you had said, too. I really think that that was, I'm glad that you brought up that these opportunities we have, you know, we're still, we see what's going on with police brutality. We, we understand what's going on. With you know not getting equal pay and all this kind of stuff, but when you you change your perception on that, like am I going to sit here and just keep complaining about it, or I'm going to take advantage of that, you know? And, and I was thinking about when you said our grandfathers and great grandfathers. I just posted a picture yesterday of my grandfather. So my grandfather was drafted to the war. He you know he didn't mm-hmm. want to go to that, you know. And it was one of those things that he never talked about. We were just talking. You don't ask him about it. You know he had to do things that he didn't want to do over there. And then when I got older, I realized he was in the 761st Tank Battalion with Jackie Robinson, you know. I used to love Jackie Robinson growing up. I had those little books with Jackie Robinson. I liked the Dodgers because of him, you know. And it was so cool to me, and I didn't know these things until I got older. But, yeah, that generation and things that they had to go through, man. It's insane. It's insane. And regardless what people say about my vote doesn't matter, you realize what they went through to make an opportunity for us. You know, Man, the, I that, smack every- no, it's seriously because it's, it's the the audacity of you to to not even even if you if you think like well my vote not count because electoral college of all these excuses people make up that what they fought through just so you can walk in the store you know with a different person and get this access to the same groceries and things like that. There's no respect for the past. 
you know, and that really it infuriates me because it's like, how dare you? You know, you could. It's so disrespectful of their legacy, you know. So, uh, I'm like I said, I'm appreciative of brothers like you, man, and 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 I like to keep a close knit, good group of brothers around me, man. I don't like foolishness, man. So I appreciate, man, you being part of that circle, man. Um, last question that I have, man, just is just a generic one. Over this conversation, is there anything that we didn't cover or any kind of advice that you want to leave for a young brother that may be interested in either going down a career path similar to yours or someone just looking for a career change in, in general? So I, I'm always going to tailor um, IT, man. It's like I told you, I went to nursing school, failed miserably. After I went to IT, I was customer service discover card, you know what I'm saying, collections. All right, some collections. All right, so after collections, I went to customer service answering the, the call center of, of hey, how how can I direct your call? Those were my those were my three jobs, right? And then I had the oppor- I had one opportunity working the website, and that literally the willingness of of working on that one website that literally opened my career to anything that I want, and and not not only did it open my career to anything I want, it made me want more. So I've had three failed startups. I was part of, you know, say of a successful, um, a successful startup that didn't make you money. I actually almost got funded to one startup. Great idea. Absolutely ridiculously good idea. Um, couldn't get funded and um, got to a process in our local funding area. And they were like, oh man, we love the idea. We love the team, but it's going to take a million dollars for us to make any money. So we're out. And literally six months after that, my competitors who I've acknowledged my competitors, they start doing the idea. So literally right after that. So, and, you know, but, but guess what? I got another one coming down the line. So who cares about all that weak stuff in the past? All I know is tomorrow I got to do it. I got to try something new. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's Reverend Project Pat right there, by the way. <laughs> try something new. But <laughs> I digress. But if you gotta try something new, just keep keep going. Like you know, we only get one life. Is one hundred twenty percent on everything you do, man. If you want to stay the status quo, you be the status quo. But if you want more, if you if you if you want more than you got, we need an information world. If you want to trade stocks, there's a million YouTube channels right now you can learn forex trading or or how to options or anything. There's a million people out there giving you information. If you want to build websites, if you want to do SQL, whatever. If you want to learn some type of um, the old school Fortran, or, which is um, old school stock marketing um, programming, which they make like $150 an hour, like legit $150 an hour because Ain't nobody knows how to do that. No one knows how to do that old code. And so they need people to do these very specific things that have billions upon billions of dollars invested. So they're willing to pay someone $150,000 an hour as a contractor for a nine-month contract to do something, right? That's $300,000 a year. Easy. So um, it's always opportunity is, you know, how hard you want it and how hard you're willing to push, go get it. So don't take no excuses. Details, no lies in the stuff he says. And, and I like that. You know what they say? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Uh, you're just going to people be out there. They're going to copy you. You know, they're going to try to take what you do. But you just have to realize your purpose and what God created you as. And only you can do you. You know, that creativity that God put in you, it's different from someone else. And it could get frustrating at times watching other people try to mimic you 
you know, I've seen it happen in different projects that I've done, my wife as well. But, you know, mm-hmm. like I encourage her and myself and anyone that's listening, you just continue to do you, man. God put that in your heart for a reason. And you just go ahead and follow through on that and, and, and he'll breathe on it. He'll breathe on it. Righteous. I appreciate it. And let's get to the end, man. I appreciate you, man. I know we've been trying to schedule this. I looked at the original <laughs> interview literally for like two months, man. We've both been so busy. And right. do you do you have anything that you want to pub, any projects that you're working on or anything? Um, so one of the things I am about to do, I've been saying I have to do it for a long time. It's just I, I guess I have to make it 100 percent legit now because I've been just so busy with life. So um, I am, as in like, what, what stays with the 21st or whatever the day is, whatever the day is, I will say within two weeks, and you have to, within two weeks, the, the, the next, the third Saturday, whatever, you have to keep me honest, that I will teach children how to program, right? Nice. right? So I've been talking about doing this. Uh, just keep me honest. If, if you call me out, just tell me I'm a loser, I'm a failure, <laughs> smack me in the face, whatever. I got to do it because a, a, a brother taught a bro, the reason I'm in IT is because a brother, young brother at the, at the, at the, at the, at the I'm age, I'm, I was, I was 17, but he had to be maybe 33, 34. He took his time out every Tuesday and Thursday and went down and he used to drive us around. If we didn't have, we'd take the bus. Um, you know, it was like an hour and a half to take the bus home because it was way. So we on the East side, like in the Roseburg, and this is all the way up past campus, um, North Adult. So you know how far oh, that man. number, that no, number, that number two. So, so you know exactly how far yeah. that length is. And so, literally, you know, Tuesday and Thursdays and stuff, and you know, we, we hour and a half on the bus, and you know, but he went in and taught us that. And so, um, the the thing that I'm going to create is going to call it, um, Black Kids Can Code. And um, I know I have a network of black developers. I know a lot of black developers. I will guilt a lot of black developers who came on this on your show and like y'all can help me. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we can teach. We can, we, it's not about teaching. It's just exposing them how to um, what IT is and keep and just teach fundamentals. And maybe one day they may be interested to become a software developer or graphic designer or project manager. Whatever you want to be. I love it, brother. I absolutely love it. I'll put stuff on the website once we get that up and running for for uh, for content information. I really, like you said there, in your lifetime, especially as a black male, you really remember these certain individuals to step mm-hmm. in at key point. Uh, even you had mentioned, you know, our, our mutual friend Jason at one point helping you with mentoring, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a way of just paying it forward, man. So I'm all on board with that. I'll reach out to those guys. And I have some other developers, too, that I'll go ahead and send your way. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll make it happen, Captain. I'm, I'm, right. I'm down for that. Okay. So I know it's late, man. I know you're a family man. So like I said, once again, you know, I love you, brother, man. I'm thankful that we was able to to link up, man. You can share Fine, your, right. your your story, man. And uh, make sure you hug the babies for them and tell them that the, right. the uncle in, in Texas asked about them. All right. And, and the, the sucky thing is, you know, I was going to gum that Dallas game. So we, we, were, we were coming. You knew we were coming. Hell yeah. We, 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 we were coming. So it was literally, it was circled on a date. And, you know, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I've come to Browns Dallas game, you know, it would have been awesome watching the Browns beat Dallas. Oh, oh man. My Live in Jerry's world. That would have been awesome. But, that, but, but I, I was going to, you know, make it out see y'all, man. So another time. Yeah, we're going to link out. Once this stuff, man, we get to handle this stuff. Because I, I, I haven't been back home. I was just thinking about that today in a decade, you know, and I kind of want to show my, my kids. They haven't seen. We had three when we moved here and one was in her stomach. We call him the hybrid, the middle child. 
So he's half Ohio, half Texas. But yeah, I haven't been back in about 10 some years, man. It's like they don't know where, where I used to live. And I, I took him on a Google tour one day. I put it on my phone on the TV mm-hmm. and I was going through the streets, but they need to experience. They got to see like, right. man, I want to see their faces scrunch up. Like you really right, like, right. <laughs> right, exactly. This, this is your corner store. <laughs> like, this don't look, this don't look that safe, dad. <laughs> So we see they'd be right. unimpressed. But yeah, like I said, right. I appreciate your brother, man. And we definitely be in touch, man. All right, for sure. All right, take it easy. All right. I appreciate it. All right. I hope these authentic stories show different paths to success and provide mentorship. Please be sure to visit us at drjinterviews.com for additional content and social media info. Stay resilient.